755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome back to 755 is real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer with The Athletic, with my co-host Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. What's up, Eric? What's up, Dave? Well, not much with this slow winter uh, in baseball, which is kind of what we predicted, right? We talked about this for months on end, it seemed like, about how we expected it to be a strange Probably slow winter and probably not a real fruitful one for uh, for free agents. And we're seeing it come to pass every bit of what we talked about. Pretty much. You know, I, I mean, it, it makes sense. It's been tough off seasons the last few years, even when teams didn't lose money. So with this year, I mean, you could expect it. I, I don't know when it's going to start up, but it's probably been the slowest off season we've ever seen. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about that the other day, how for, for so many years that I did this, how you looked at, at things happening, really picking up around Thanksgiving or before Thanksgiving, because players wanted to know where they were going to be by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Well, this year, I mean, it's a minuscule percentage of available players uh, know where they're going to be next year. Guys that are on the free agent market and guys that know they're going to be traded, uh, arbitrary. I mean, there's a lot of guys that have no idea where they're going to be playing next year. And we're almost at, once you get, you know, in the next week, you might as well be in a new in the new year. Yeah, and it's hard as a player. I was a free agent a few times, but you're kind of just sitting there waiting for a phone call from your agent. And they don't, you know, most agents, some guys check in and just tell you, you know, I, I called these teams and that team. The agent I had would just be like, he'd say, you know, just enjoy your offseason and I'll call you when something happens. And a month goes by, you don't get a single phone call or any news or anything yeah. from your agent. You're kind of just sitting there. Your wife's asking where we're going to be, what's going on, and it's just nothing, man. It can be... It could be kind of stressful, especially if you're not, you know, a big time, a big time guy. But still, you're just trying to figure out where you're going to play next year, and you have no news. I'm sure it gets easier the more you go through it. But for like a wife, if you get married, you know, in the middle of your career or whatever, and your wife's never been through it, and you got like young kids or whatever, and they're trying to figure out, are we going to go there? Are we going to stay here? Uh, what are, you know, that's got to be very stressful. Like you said, you got the holidays coming down on you. And if you're a free agent, you you don't really know how much money you're going to make next year. You got a pretty good idea, maybe, but there's there's a lot going on there that people out like me don't really take into account. You know, at my, not to mention the average fan. Yeah, and I think that's it's definitely in the owner's favor to to you know like the dragging out the DH thing, and they want players mm-hmm. to get antsy. You know, they they want mm-hmm. you wanting to deal, wanting to know where you play, wanting to get it settled. You know, that's why the last year. I wasn't going to, I was barely, I wasn't even going to get a major league deal, but I still signed with the Braves like the first week of the offseason just to know. I mean, that's how important it was just to know where I was going to be. I just signed like as soon as I was available, the Braves said, we want to sign him back. I was like, give me whatever stupid ass minor league deal I'm getting and and let's get it over with, you know? But yeah, guys get antsy and they're calling their agents and their agents just, you know, nothing's happening. And and so I think that's kind of the strategy that that teams employ and it, it seems to work, but. You know, I think this year you could see guys signing in, in mid-March again, like like in the past or even later. Yeah, we were all shocked a couple of years ago when guys weren't signing until February and a few of them in March. Big, big guys like Bryce Harper. But I think you're going to see that quite a bit this year uh, because it's kind of a waiting game. It's like uh, playing chicken or however you want to characterize it. But owners think that they have the leverage. Players are like, okay, you might think you have the leverage, but we're the game. So you have these two sides and you have the CBA a year down the road. So there's like kind of a perfect storm, not to mention the $100 million that teams lost on average last year. They say the revenues, 
that were lost. So there's just so this in so many ways this is a unique offseason, uh, unlike anything we've ever seen. I don't know if it's good for baseball though. You know, I mean, no, it's, I don't think it is. The sport's just a ghost, you know, for yeah. for three months where it seems like football's never out of the news. You know, anytime you turn on yeah. ESPN or or any major sports network at any month in the off season, there's news for football. There's always something happened. Somebody signing some kind of training camp and, and baseball is just kind of like gone for three months. Other sports, when the free agent period starts, it's this frenzy to sign yeah. at like yeah. midnight. They're making calls. Yeah. Baseball. It's like, Oh, free agency started uh, the day, uh, five days after the world series and like nothing happened, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's just a slow grind. And, and, a more, and, 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 and it's almost like, it's a misnomer to even call it. You wouldn't even call it the hot stove now. If it would, if the name didn't already exist, nobody would think to call it the hot stove because no. there's nothing hot about it right now. You know, there's not, there's not a whole lot of chatter going on. Um, and in recent years, there hasn't been a whole lot, but this year obviously is uh, that times that, that on steroids to pardon upon. <laughs> yeah. Now they're trying to push the season back till May, right? Yeah. That, that there's talk of doing that uh, to make it safer. Which, you know, with the vaccine coming, it makes some sense. But, and playing maybe 140 games, you know, having some more of those doubleheaders, the seven inning ones. There's ways to do it. If you, uh, I think, I think people are kind of freaking out when they're looking at what's happened with football uh, and college basketball with all the canceled games. Baseball, but man, baseball made didn't it have those problems. You got to really respect what they did last year to get through the season with the few exceptions notable, like the Marlins early in the year. Uh, a couple other teams had some – St. Louis had some problems briefly. But once they got past that period and people realized, oh, this is serious, you got to wear your mask. Everything. Baseball got through the whole thing without a bubble and doing it. until No bubble until the postseason. Pretty amazing when you look at the troubles that uh, football's having, college and pro, college and NFL. I mean, that was, a, that was a joke the other day when the Steelers were made to wait like three times, you know, unbeaten team. They had to put off their game like three times. And, and – if I'm not mistaken, they've lost two games since then. You know, after starting out with ten and zero or something. Yeah, I mean it's it's really affected the football season. And then college football, Ohio State's played five games. Other teams have played ten or eleven games. You know, and, and yeah, college, and Ohio State's going to go to the uh, to the Final Four. To the, to the I don't know. Maybe it helps that, that baseball was played in the summer and it's not as much of a contact sport. Yeah, but. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they pulled there wasn't none of this stuff was really happening during the season minus those two couple outbreaks. All that helps for sure. And uh outdoor sport, summer, summer months, things are spiking right now again with the holidays, with indoor activities, with it getting cold in the north, people are indoors. Yeah, and we talked about this at the at the beginning when they first started playing baseball. I said, I don't know how you can do football being a contact sport. I mean, it's well, just by out. nature of it. It doesn't make any <laughs> yeah. sense. But they've gotten further than I thought they would, to be honest. But it has not been easy. It's been lurching the whole way. And you talk about an asterisk on a season. That season, when say if Ohio State were to win the championship, you know, and with a six and zero record, you know, or seven and zero, whatever, after playing a Big Ten championship game, and they're playing a team that's twelve and zero in the in the championship, it's just going to look weird, man. Yeah, yeah. But. With baseball this offseason, you know, what you said, owners, uh, unfortunately, you ha- you've also had this thing which you've described. Uh, these two sides don't trust each other at all. And that no. started long before this. But 
it's really not helping at all during this period that the fact that the sides don't trust each other. It's hurting things. If they if no, they had a better relationship. Look at the NBA, yeah. man. Well, Look but at the we NBA said that, how, how they get things done. Yeah. They just but, finished their playoffs. It felt like two weeks ago. I know. Start, I saw games start, yesterday and I was like, and, and they're starting a new starting season. Already. Yeah. And they made it through the bubble with no problems at all because they had a real bubble there for the whole restart. And uh but they make decisions from the top down and they don't have to run everything by everybody. In other words, they have a commissioner with the power to make decisions. You know, the the I think it's a two-edged sword. It's great that the players union in baseball is powerful. Yeah. But it's also not in that the trust does not exist between the owners and the players. The players have the power to tell the owner, screw you, we're going to do this. The owners, you know, try to get back at them by exercising what leverage they have. I keep getting asked by people, why don't they just put the DH in place? How are teams supposed to build, NL teams supposed to build a roster not knowing whether there's going to be a DH? And I say, you're exactly right. It's stupid. But the the uh, the uh, baseball commissioner does not have unilateral power to say there's going to be a DH. At the same time, the owners could say, yes, we will agree to it. And the players would agree to it. It's the owners that are using this for leverage. Yeah, so, yeah, I think that's kind of what's going on. Even even that announcement uh, a couple of days ago that that they were telling teams to plan on not having a DH. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't I don't know if I necessarily buy it or if it's just it's another way to keep salaries down because a lot of the market's going to yeah. hold up on on guys like Ozuna, you know, where he's signed and what he's going to do. Um, but again, man, I mean, I don't I don't think it. I'm not mad at the owners. That's their running a business. They're doing their job. That's their way of doing it. I just I don't think people like feeling manipulated and like they're not getting the truth. So that side of it I think kind of pisses people off. But you, you knew it was going to be like this, especially after how ugly it got last um, last summer. You know, with those negotiations that now everybody's just mad at each other and they're, and they're they're gonna they're gonna drag stuff out just out of spite. But really, I think it just it, it just keeps the salaries down. It's it's another way to wait and hope players get antsy and see if they can get Ozuna to maybe say, you know what my market's not what it was and I signed for less, you know? So it sucks that this is the side of the game and this is the way it's going, but it is what it is. The, the owners don't even try to come up with a reason why the no. DH thing, no. you know what I'm saying? They just don't no. address it. It's just, right. just hanging out there. Nobody has said why it's not, the decision has not been in place. And here's all you need to know about, like what you were just saying uh, on on how the, the the fans feel manipulated because they know they're not getting the truth. All you need to realize is it there's not a single GM or manager that doesn't want a decision on the DH. And I don't know of anybody that doesn't want a DH now. The, like like Brian Snicker, for instance, wants a DH now, and he was anti DH like me before. Okay, but even if you're uh, a national league team, and you maybe if you're old school and you don't want a DH, you still want a decision. There's not a GM that does not want a decision. Yet there's not one GM has come out and said it would really help us to know whether we're <laughs> going to have the DH because yeah. they know it's their owners that are the ones that are holding it up. Yeah. So instead, they just don't address it. So GMs don't come out and say, "God, it would help us to know whether we're going to have a DH." They just don't complain. Yeah, the unity. <laughs> the unity is strong. <laughs> That's all you need to know about how it's a load of BS. It's the owners yeah. that want to use this for leverage. Yeah. They want it as, as Boris characterized it, Scott Boris in a, in a Zoom call yesterday with reporters, because he was right on this one. 
they are unfortunately using this as a give back. You know, they want something in return. Yeah. For something that everybody wants, the DH. And the owners know that everybody wants it. But they want some some uh, uh, something in return from the players for agreeing to do it. Yeah, I haven't heard too many players speak about it either, um, whether they want it or not, or, or, or kind of go on the record. You know, the whole thing's just been kind of mum, but I'd assume, you know, it's it's you'd think it's more more money for the players, so they'd want it. Yeah, they do. They, I, what players we asked during the season, I mean, with the exception of maybe one Max Freed who can hit, you yeah. know, there's a few play, pitchers that can hit. Yeah. With the exception of those guys, everybody liked it this year, you know? Including a lot of guys that were anti-GH that were National League guys before that liked the strategy and all that, like me, changed their minds. But I don't know of any players who don't want it because they know what it does. It just adds years to the careers of quite a few guys. Quite a few hitters are going to stick around for another five years. Well, Nelson Cruz, you know, if Nelson yeah. Cruz hits the market, he's got 30 teams interested instead of 15 now. And if there was no DH in baseball, period, Nelson Cruz would have been retired several years ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you, you can't put I mean? them anywhere. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Your guy in Seattle had quite a career by being a, Edgar? By being a DH. Yeah. Yeah. Got yeah, the did. award named for him. The award that Marcel Ozuna won, by the way. Obviously, the first National League player to ever win the designated hitter of the year award. It's <laughs> yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. But he beat Nelson Cruz for it. Um, I wrote something the other day that uh, if, if, for instance, if Azuna got antsy and decided to sign with somebody, not waiting till this DH decision is made and he decided to go to an American League team or whatever, or a National League team that was willing to risk the defense, whatever, to me, if the Braves hold hold out until a DH decision is made, Nelson Cruz would be a nice alternative. <laughs> you know what I mean? If yeah. you don't get Azuna, because you could sign Nelson Cruz to a Braves-like contract, the ones they like, i.e. short, <laughs> one yeah, or two years. Yeah, he's been doing just one-year deals, right? What's his contract's been like? Yeah. I think it's just been and year to year. You could either give him one year, maybe a little more than he's looking for for a two-year deal. He's what, Yeah. Is he 40 now? <laughs> he is. Yeah, he's going to be He'll be he'll turn forty one next year. Yeah. So yeah, you could give him a one year deal. It'd be perfect for the break. I you know, he's showing no signs of letting down of, of slowing down. He's gonna it's obviously gonna happen one day. But uh but to get back to Ozuna, because I know Braves fans don't want to hear if the Braves have an alternative to Ozuna or if they have to move on. Cause I don't think of there's any fans that don't want him back. Um <laughs> uh, there's some fans who don't want to see his defense in left field, but I wrote something uh this week on how I think, regardless of the decision on DH, and I'm one that said before after watching a couple of his gas in left field that I don't know if you can bite the bullet <laughs> and live with him in left field for a year. Yeah, I've come around on that thinking, man. After looking up, I think I think our mind's eye tells us because the eye test he certainly fails that as an outfielder. But I think in our mind's eye we remember the worst plays that a guy made. Oh, for sure, terrible yeah. throws. The going up on the wall for the ball that landed in front of the warning track in St. Louis. But that's a handful of plays over a two-year span or a three-year span or whatever. If you compare the number of – how many runs did that cost him right there? All those things we just mentioned. Three runs, if that. I mean, yeah. I don't even remember if anybody scored because of that one when he went on the wall. Yeah. If you compare that to the number of runs that this guy drives in and how much he means to Freddie Freeman and the rest of that out offense – 
I don't think it's even close. In other words, I looked it up and I was surprised that metric, his defensive metrics aren't nearly as bad as what people think. 2019, right. he was like a zero, a zero uh, 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 DRS player. So just I would have thought minus eight even. or something. Yeah, yeah, he was just, you know, because the things that he did do offset the, the gaffes enough that he's average. So I think if he's average or a little below average, you can live with that in left field. Especially for a year, you know, if you think it's uh, coming. For a year. Yeah, for one year. For a year. I'm not talking about signing him for four years, not knowing if there's going to be a DH and you're going to have to use him as a, as a defender all that time. I'm saying for one year, you can certainly live with it. For what he means to Freddie Freeman in this offense, I mean, he made it go, man. I mean, obviously, Freddie Freeman made it go, too. <laughs> yeah, but you got to give Freddie the chance to, to make it yes. go. And that, that's Freddie kinda, loved having him hit behind him. It's and undeniable he, what a difference he made. Josh Donaldson was huge behind him. Yep. Ozuna was every bit and maybe a little more. Yeah. Teams are scared to – I mean, they still pitched around Freddie a lot, but he made them pay a lot. Yeah. He drove in a lot of runs. He had a couple of grand slams when that happened, you know, or they pitched around him or, or intentionally walked him. This guy's uh, – and, and, and beyond that, the intangibles that I know fans – a lot of them understand how important it is. We've talked about team chemistry – but nobody really has an idea of how, other than what they've heard. But this guy is one of those rare guys that people cling to. They, he makes everybody smile. The, the team plane gets into 3 a.m. in New York, and he's carrying that speaker. I call it a boombox. It's not a boombox yeah. anymore. It's a speaker, Bluetooth. I'm old school. I'm a dinosaur. But he's carrying that thing, and he's got it cranked on the bus at 3 a.m., and he's the rare guy that his teammates smile and go, Yeah. Ozuna, instead of going, turn that shit down. I mean, they love it. They love his personality. He brings that to this team. And you know how important it is to have that guy because there aren't many of those kind of guys. Keeps well, it, not, always keeps it loose. Not just to men, like not just to have a guy like that, but I think it's also important, you, you know, with, with young guys like Ozzy and, and yeah. Acuna, it's important to have a Latin guy that's Absolutely. doing that. You know, whether you believe in that or not, um, it, Prado was like that when he was with the Braves. Mm-hmm. You got to have that bridge, that guy that kind of connects everybody and brings everybody together and, and has helps everybody have fun and, and makes it a unit. And, you know, having a Latin guy that does that, man, it just, it makes a difference in the clubhouse. It's just a different angle that, that you have that it just makes those guys that much more comfortable when somebody like them is leading and having fun and doing it versus, you know, just Marcakis and Freddie and, and these yep. guys that they may not feel like they relate to as much when you got Ozuna yep. doing it and Ozuna's sitting right next to Freddie, then you feel like, all right, we're all in this together. So it's a big difference. I think that's a great way of putting it. And I think uh, an example is, is you have a clubhouse where, you know, a couple of years ago, say with McCann, who's loud yeah. and funny and all this. And then you have him busting on Donaldson. Yeah. And you have Freddie getting in on it. So you have, it's great for chemistry and all that. And a clubhouse is loud and people are laughing and all that. But I think even while you have Latin guys, the Acunas and Ozzy's over here laughing too, it's different when there's a guy like uh, like uh, um, what we're talking about with Ozuna in the middle of all that as yeah. one of the ringleaders. Yeah. Yeah. And all of a sudden you don't feel like you're maybe on the, even even subconsciously you feel like you're still on the outside looking in a little bit on what the old boys are talking about. Cause you don't quite get all that culture. But when, when one of your guys is in the middle of that, it just melds everything. It's yeah. like Prada was there. He was in the middle of all that. Yeah. And Ozuna, it revolves around him instead of him being 
kind of on the outside throwing in some funny stuff. He's in the middle of everything, you know? And yeah, like you don't feel like you're watching their show. You feel like right. you're part of it. You know, yeah. it kind of just brings everybody into the mix. And the post-game celebrations. That was his show. You know, yeah. the selfies and all that. That was him doing that. Yeah. Not Donaldson with the umbrella. It was Ozuna doing it. Yeah. So all of a sudden, I think it makes all the Latin guys on the team and even the minor league Latin guys that are watching it on TV. This organization feels like it's yours now, a lot more so than when it feels like all the white guys are kind of running exactly. the show. And you don't feel you don't feel like not wanted, you know, in those cases. But you feel like it's your team when when it's one of your guys that's setting the whole tone. I think yeah, that's pretty that's, cool. That's kudos to Snit too, because yeah, a lot of the stuff they've it. been doing the last few years kind of goes against the old school Braves way, and yeah. I, I think he kind of recognized that. He recognized how important it is to get all these guys involved. I mean, I think about Yunel Escobar all the time. Uh, you know, he he just wasn't a fit personality wise for the way the Braves did things and the way the Braves played. But mm-hmm. if he came into the game now, I don't even think his. It, I don't think his personality would even be a story or brought up. You know, everybody would just let Yunel do his thing. And as long as he didn't do anything, same thing with Acuna's, Acuna's stuff, you know, where he, he had the bat flip and that stuff. And nobody yeah. cares as long as it doesn't hurt the team. I think Escobar's, you know, antics and some of the stuff he did, as long as it wasn't something that helped the, that hurt the team, I don't think anybody would have cared. And, and the I whistling think, and all that, yeah I, yeah, I think you're right. It wouldn't have been nearly as big a deal as it, it was. It wouldn't have been a big be. deal like it was back then. And and I think that's just, that's just credit to Snip for realizing that, how to get the most out of his players and let them be comfortable. Man, another, uh, and, and, and seen another way. How about conversely, how about if Ronald Acuna had come along five to 10 years earlier, you wonder, yeah. would it have been celebrated? MLB networks running commercials, showing these guys doing backflips, yeah. let the kids yeah. play. That would not have happened 10 years ago. And you wonder how much pressure there would have been. Braves weren't nearly as bad as a lot of teams were, but how much pressure there might've been, uh, from well-meaning guys, but guys that would have had him tone it down a little bit. And Acuna, you don't want to tone it down a little bit, man. No, you I mean, want him. You want him feeling himself. You, you don't want, you want him pimping a ball that goes off the wall. No, no. <laughs> but but other than that, you want him showing thing. this emotion yeah. and doing his thing. And that would not have been celebrated five to ten years ago. No, and, and no, I don't think he's the same player if he's not playing with that looseness. No, I mean it, it. Honestly, you know, comfort comfort on the field is one of the most important things. And feeling like yourself, you mm-hmm. you honestly, when you're under tension and feel like eyes are on you or people aren't behind you, you'll move different. You'll move tense. You know, that's that's kind of why they encourage it so much now, is because they want guys feeling free and and moving freely out there. And and there's just something to it. You know, anytime I was really just feeling myself <laughs> on the field, yeah, it's like you, you. I just always I always pitch better. And and the times where I felt like. Like I told you that story when I jogged in from Baltimore and Jose Lopez, I'd already had like two or three bad games. I'm jogging in from the bullpen to close a game out because J.J. Putz got hurt. And Jose Lopez just looked me in the eye and I could see he didn't want me in this game and he didn't believe in me. And it was like I took that energy (laughs) right to the mound with me and gave up. I think the first batter hit a a go-ahead homer off me, Aubrey Huff. So I was like, you know, that that type of stuff, you know, that that energy you feel from your teammates and and feeling comfortable – it it really does make a difference, even if it's different from the way the game's been in the past. It's so funny because this is Acuna's personality. And I saw I, – I, I've tweeted – I don't know if you saw the thing. I, I linked a tweet of him hitting a home run, a batting practice yeah, home run the other yeah. day in Venezuela. 
He does it exactly the same way down there in yep. front of a crowd of 50 people that's mostly family and friends as mm-hmm. he does in front of 50,000 here. It is who he is. So if he can be as loose playing in front of uh, you know an NLCS crowd in a neutral ballpark in Texas as he is playing in front of his family and friends at yeah. an old ball at an old uh, looks like a high school field in Venezuela. That's ideal, man. This guy's playing with a looseness that I mean, basketball players will tell you all the time when they start playing loose, free, and easy. That's when it comes out of the, the greatest players all play like that. You know, yes, yeah, it's, it's it comes, when you move. It, you move in a creative manner. You know, you, you just yeah. you move freely. Um, you want him being himself. You want him having fun. And and the main thing is you want him playing a game. And that's the hardest thing to do in the major leagues with all the pressure and everything going on and all these eyes on you is, is just to relax and play a game. You know, the, the game doesn't change, but you watch guys come up from AAA and feel that pressure. And they, they tense up and they suck and they go back to AAA. They're comfortable there. Mm-hmm. They're not comfortable in the big leagues. And that's usually just the that's the dividing factor is can you be yourself and relax in that crazy atmosphere? And so, you know, having teammates that support you and feeling like you can be yourself, it just takes some of the pressure off and lets you lets you be yourself a little bit more out there. That, and that can make all the difference. So, yeah, I think I think it's great. I think Ozuna's great for the team. And, and Snit's done a great job just letting guys be themselves. Not necessarily you were talking about when they fail up there and they get sent back to AAA. The mental grind of going back and thinking about it every night when you're back in some shitty motel in AAA and you're going, do I need to tone it down? What can I do? What part of my personality? You know, you don't even want to have to worry about that stuff. Just let a guy play. Um, And Ozuna, I think the Braves have been fortunate. And also, it's part of being very careful about who they bring into the clubhouse. Yeah. But – Two years in a row, they hit big on the one-year free agent with Josh Donaldson. People questioned him bringing his personality in, and they thought it would be, uh, you know, uh, Alex knew him well from Toronto, and they thought that Edge, Perry, I talked to Perry Manassian about this. Uh, I was pronounced at Perry Manassian, but then I saw Perry Manassian. So I'm not quite sure on Perry (laughs) all these years that I knew him, but I talked to Perry about they wanted to bring a guy with that edge in. They thought they were missing that edge, as great a chemistry as they yeah. had. They wanted to bring that edge, in, and it worked splendidly, man, from day one. Uh, even though Josh didn't feel really comfortable for like a month into the season, it worked, even though he didn't realize it was working. But they hit again, big time on Ozuna. They bring his personality in. Some people wondered about him with the lime yellow sleeve and all that. Would he fit in, you know, in Whatever. the clubhouse and all that? He fit in. Perfectly. So yeah. you've hit two years in a row. I don't think you roll the dice and expect <laughs> it to happen. Three one-year yeah. contracts in a row. If you go out and bring in another big hitter, I don't know who you're going to even do it with because there's not many available in one-year deals right now with the kind of impact Josh Donaldson and Ozuna could get when they're both coming off. Josh coming off injury, Ozuna coming off a couple of good, not great seasons with St. Louis wanting to restore value. Both those guys were. I can't point to a guy right now that's in that situation. But I think the bigger gamble is the clubhouse. We were just talking about this chemistry. I mean, you hit a – even if you knew it or not, whether it was going to be this good, it is as good as it can possibly yeah. be. The chemistry you just that you watching. have with yeah. Ozuna, uh, with Acuna, who is so important. Him and a Freddie Freeman are and Soroka and Free. Those are your franchise going forward. But Acuna and Freddie Freeman, Acuna, nobody's more important than Acuna for the next no. decade. And if you can do anything to make his life here better and make him even better and happier, you do it. And everybody else loves Ozuna too. It's not like there's guys rolling their eyes going, oh my God, we've let, we've gone over too far to the Latin thing. That's not it. Nobody's doing that. 
This guy doesn't rub anybody wrong like that. He's a great dude, and people love him. And I just think you've got a chemistry now that – and I'm not saying you spend whatever it takes to sign him because if the bidding war gets crazy, it's gonna, I just don't think it's going to get crazy. But if, you, if, it, if you're talking three or four years at, say, $20 million a year, you do that, I think, if you're the Braves. Uh, $20, 22000000 million a year. Because you look at what they've got coming off the boards and the little bit that they've got committed long-term, they got two arguably the most two club-friendly contracts in the sport ever with Acuna yeah. and Ozzie Albies. All sports. <laughs> Freddie's going to sign something reasonable. He's not going to hold them over the coals and you know and and demand top dollar. He's going to something just be something fair. Yeah. That's the only three guys long-term right now. You'll do Soroka, you hope. You know. But you don't, my point is, you don't have a guy like an Arenado in Colorado where you've got you got to build, you got to worry about that. They've got tons of room, you know, going yeah, forward. The yeah. revenue is going to come back eventually, whether it's this year or next year. You could sign a Ozuna without it being a huge deal. You know, it's not like you're giving him thirty million a year, and you know the DH is coming. If it's not this year, then after that. So, like I said, defensively, he's going to drive in ten times more runs than he's going to let in. And I think what he means to the clubhouse, you make that move unless it's just unless it's you know Donaldson that contract got out of out yeah. of what I well, was comfortable with what he got in Minnesota because that's what's going to happen with Ozuna too because of the Mets if if they want him you know it, you look at that that McCann deal they just signed yeah he was supposed to get what two years people were thinking ten two million years. a year for two years but he got ten million a year for four years it was still and I think that reasonable. maybe he had ten years three on the table and the Mets wanted their guy and just went to four. You know, and they could be the same type of situation with the Braves, where Azuna has. I mean, t- teams can say that they could say whatever your best offer is, bring it to you, and then just beat it. You know, and, and yeah. I, I think the Mets could be in that position where if they want them, they could just wait for the Braves to to get to a point, and then just say we'll add one more year because they're in a position to really spend, unlike other teams. And he changed agents again. He's done it like yeah. three times because he wants to. That tells me yeah. he wants a max deal. He's looking yeah, he for does. the best deal, but. The Braves got a couple of big things working for him. To the chemistry we just talked. He loves playing with Acuna and Ozzy Albers. He knows that's they're going to be here. He loves being this close to Miami. That's where his family is. That's where he lives. Mm. That's a hell of a lot closer, that flight to Atlanta and dealing with getting out and getting home from Atlanta than it would be New York, being yeah. in New York, living wherever you do in New York and getting to Miami from there. Not to mention the weather. A lot of the guys love, you know, the the warm it's it's quite a bit warmer here for a lot of the season, the early in the year. Um, so, and they're gonna and they got a good chance to go, you know, to at least to the LCS next year and play the Dodgers again, if not to the World Series. The Mets can't say that yet. And Ozuna, uh, they were almost in the World Series. Yeah, <laughs> I was well, so close. Exactly, and Ozuna has been there with the Cardinals and the Braves back to back. Is he going to want to yeah. go somewhere that it might take a couple more years to rebuild? I don't think so. So the, I think the Mets would have to go about five million a year more. And even then, his agent, if he's a good agent. Is, and he's looking at it, he's going to go, what's the cost of living there? What's the taxes and all that? Well, yeah. Is yeah, $3 right. million a year more in New York even a better contract? I think it's 5% more income tax. I think it's 6 in in Georgia or 4 or 6 in Georgia. Living. And then it's the 11%. cost of living? Yeah. No, I mean, you get a one-bedroom in New York for like yeah. ten grand a month and <laughs> maybe a studio. And rent a, rent a mansion here for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, – I don't know. Is it realistic? I don't know. I don't. The Bra- the Braves are really good about keeping what they're thinking to themselves when it comes, especially when it comes to the big things like this. Yeah. But man, I just think they're going to dread it. This one. I'm not usually so so uh, much 
usually I'm like, hey, they know better than I do. And if they don't do it, if they don't sign Josh Donaldson, there's a reason. And they were right. And I said, look at what happened to Donaldson this year with Minnesota. The calf came back again this year. They got their one healthy year out of him. He didn't even make it through a 60-game season. He didn't make it through spring training. And that contract got big. But Ozuna, unless it gets up around $25 million a year and somebody's talking five years, I think you sign this guy. He's only he's going to turn 30. I mean, he's not 35. And his he's 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 a guy that's kept himself in pretty good shape. And he got over that shoulder thing. He had the surgery, cleaned it up. It wasn't a, you know, rebuilding the shoulder. So I think I in think, general, I think guys are gonna there's there was kind of a gap in baseball where <laughs> the assistants, you know, the PEDs and all that stuff got taken out. And and so guys didn't know how to take care of their bodies like they do now. And, and older players in about 2010, 2011, 2012, teams started hiring these guys that really know how to get you healthy. Yeah, and I, yeah. I think I think now I think there's going to be more and more guys that if they're dedicated, coaches. they can find a way to feel pretty damn good into their late 30s. So it could swing the other way pretty soon. Uh, it's it's yet to be seen. I mean, you, you got to let it play out, but. I mean, the amount of stuff these trainers can do when you have a little nagging injury, they can make you feel better today now. You know, they got exercises. They know everything's going on. They could diagnose you in a way that just wasn't a part of the game for a long time. Um, so I could see I could see Ozuna and, and get, look at Nelson Cruz, you know. Yeah. These, these guys, it's not as scary. Um, pitchers, I don't know because it's mileage on the arm. Right, but right. I could see position players kind of, you know, learning how to take care of themselves and playing a lot longer now. And the cruel irony being they're doing all this, hiring performance coaches and all that, and then players are hiring personal trainers and chefs yeah. in the offseason. And it comes at a time when the sports skewing early, younger and younger and younger, and they're giving yeah. out fewer of the long-term deals we talked about for post-30 guys. But I can yeah. see, like you said, for position guys, especially with the DH, I can see guys hanging on to the mid-30s and late and late 30s in, in position yeah. guys, not pitchers, like you said. Uh, uh, although with them dialing back the innings so drastically, yeah, that might point. that'll help them. And there's not anybody going 220 innings anymore. Nobody's even going 200 innings anymore. So you just look at the change in the culture too. You know, after when I came into the game, after the games, you looked around the clubhouse. There was 20 guys sitting around tables just hammering beers. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. And they were going to do it again tomorrow, and and that went through the whole season. And and now you look around, and guys are eating kale salads and steak you know yeah. like the 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 way guys take care of themselves is so much different now that that i think that guys realize that you you know you got to take care of yourself and, and you can't just be slamming beers and and that not getting any sleep so that culture change and and guys learning how to take care of themselves you you could see guys like ozuna and you know freddie i think especially freddie knows yeah. how to take care of himself but he doesn't scare me one bit no. um the deals don't scare me you know 30 35 years old that's funny, the culture thing that even even underscores more the personality Ozuna has, that he was able to have the impact that he had in a such a strange season where the guys yeah. talked about during summer during the restart camp yeah. how these newcomers weren't even given a chance to really get to know guys because they were, they were arriving in groups, small groups. They weren't even letting the whole team come in on restart camp. Yeah. So just when he was getting to know people at spring training, they broke that up for three and a half months. And the restart camp was just weird. They were using both clubhouses. Guys were working out like five at a time for the first couple of weeks. So if you're able to to, to assert your personality in that atmosphere, and then during, once the season started, they were taking like twice as many buses to the ballpark in the afternoon. Yep. Again, spreading out, having guys work out, warm up in, in groups. 
So it was just totally different than a normal season. So imagine yeah. his personality with a normal team atmosphere and being able to hang out after the games and drink beers yeah. in the clubhouse, which they couldn't do this year. They had to get out of there. Yeah, and they couldn't arrive point. early either. They couldn't arrive early either. Yeah, He's the was, kind of um, guy they want to be around. Yeah, yeah for sure. You know, I was playing golf with uh, Stephen Vogt, an old teammate, about a, a month ago, and He's a big clubhouse guy, and he was talking mm-hmm. to me about how much he hated last season because of that. Mm-hmm. Because he couldn't, he couldn't go out to dinner with teammates, and he couldn't do all these things. That that's, I mean, that's when you build culture. You build culture on the plane and and going out to dinner together and, and away from the field where there's no pressure and and you get to really know each other. We used to do that every year. Chipper would take the whole team out to like Del Frisco's in Philly or something like that. We'd have 25 guys sitting around yeah. the table just laughing their asses yeah. off, you know, because you'd have a a couple good teammates that were loud, like a Hinsky kind of entertaining everybody. And it, it brings you together where you're all talking about that when you get to the field the next day. So that ability to, to build culture. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a really good point. You just made not having that. It, it, it makes it even harder that they did it and more impressive that they did it. And so imagine too, this, there's a real good chance that when spring training starts, we're going to have a lot of these same rules in place. Yep. It's yeah. going to be until they have guys have the vaccine and stuff before you really see things change. So imagine a newcomer coming into a new team this year in what's going – last year when they came in, at least at the start of spring training, it was normal. For the first month, yeah. it was normal. This yeah. year, it's not going to be normal from day one. You're not going to have all the guys in the clubhouse jammed together. You're going to have space. You're going to have them probably working out in groups again. You're not going to even – a newcomer not even going to be able to talk to his some of his teammates probably for a while. <sighs> That's weird. So it makes it even more that makes important, it hard. I think, that yeah. if you had good chemistry, you try to keep that team together. Yeah. You don't you don't try to 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 mix up a new mix in a bunch of newcomers again. If you had it and you can keep it, you keep it. I yeah, just I mean, it makes we, it make more important. And they they were one win away from the World Series last year. To, with this keep dude, it as much the same as you can. Three one leads over the Dodgers. I know. And ultimately they were two runs away from going to the World Series. Yeah. Two stinking runs, and you could point to a few plays that happened that easily could have been that. And they yep. did this with a playoff rotation that was Max Freed and three rookies. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. How'd they do that? that and, that's and, that's the team aspect, man. You know, teams teams yep. that are that are vibing they they overperform. And I and I, I know we love the the Braves uh, infield defense, but they didn't do it with defense. They did it no, with that offense they, they had yeah. and with that bullpen they had and with those rookies stepping up with Max Fried in the playoffs and the rotation. They did not do it because of defense. No. So to to say that you're not going to re-sign Ozuna because of defense, I, I think you're shooting yourself in the foot, man. I mean, he's a big part of the offense, which was huge for this team last year in winning. They had the second most homers and the second most runs in the majors to the Dodgers. It was I the guess- offense, not the defense, that was the bigger – Bigger plus yeah. for this team last year. Well, yeah, what? they. How many times were they down five runs yeah. in the fifth inning, and you weren't even worried yeah. about it? So, I mean, yeah, you want to play great defense, and they will as long as Wash is there. They're going to play great infield defense because they didn't have Ozzy for you know over half the season last year. Yeah, in infield. They're going to have him back. Um, but to worry about defense, you know, and the the five runs that that Ozuna might cost you in left field on you know a stupid play or a bad throw is yeah is missing the point. This guy's I guess the only fear would be if, if there was no DH at all. You know, it, it, I don't know if it's a given that it's going to be done after 21, but right. that right. would be 
and, and, and him at age 34 in the outfield could be it's kind of frightening, but <laughs> it it's not going to happen. <laughs> I think we could, we, we're pretty certain that's not going to happen though. So yeah. guys, let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show. So far, the only what? The only deals, free agent deals, the Braves had two of them and they paid as much or they overpaid for the two guys. I think people thought Charlie might get one year, 15, but, but, uh, uh, the uh, Rays weren't giving it to him. They turned down this $15 million option. And then Smiley got more than anybody thought, one year, $11 million. So the Braves, but those were one-year deals, and the Braves have shown yeah. under uh, uh, under Alex Antopoulos they were willing to overpay for one year for AAV. Uh, and then yeah, McCann, it's not scary at all. And then McCann's deal was what everybody thought he would get for a, uh, AAV just twice as long. Yeah. But that's it. Nothing so, else. So far, huh? <laughs> Nothing else. No, and so far, a lot of <laughs> options have been turned down that seemed reasonable for guys, and nobody else has been signed. And we're at we're coming up on Christmas, man. There's going to be a lot of people scrambling and taking one year deals and musical chairs there, you know, as we near spring training. It's brutal as a free agent. Just, I mean, you, you're looking at the landscape and. There's been three deals signed, and it's it's a week from Christmas. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, there's some guys that got to be panicking, and I mean, that's where your agents that's your agent's job is to stay calm and, and get you the contract. But yeah, man, like I said earlier, it, it's tough just sitting around, you know, wondering what team you're going to be with, not knowing where you're going, and and most guys start getting their apartments set up for spring training right now. And when you when you don't have a place, it's that scramble yeah. to try to find a six month or six week lease. In, in a busy city in Florida yeah. during well you know I guess it won't be as many vacationers next year but no snowbirds it, not there guys want to know so I'm sure guys are getting pretty antsy on the other hand uh, if you're a GM then you're waiting because you want to wait a little longer if you can on this DH thing because it's going to yeah. have to be decided eventually and also there's talk uh, you've you've heard this of uh, possibly going to 140 game season so we're yeah. not certain yet if spring training is going to start when it normally does, or if the season is going to start when it normally does. So there's a lot of things why if you're a GM, you wait at least, a, you know, why you haven't made a lot of your big moves yet. There's because no it rush. behooves you to wait. Yeah. yeah. Even though as much as it, fans hate it, players hate it. But if you're a GM or president of a team and you're not, sh- and we're also not sure if fans are going to be allowed in and how many so if you can, if those decisions, if you believe that you might know a more a month from now, you wait and make those moves. Uh, uh, unfortunately, that's what's holding all this up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, you had no clue. Even look how slow last off season was. You had no clue all the pandemic and everything <laughs> yeah. was coming. So, mm-hmm. man, it's I, I don't know. It's I, slow for the game. I'm thinking Cohen, the Mets owner. As great as he's been on Twitter and all this, and he seems like such a breath of fresh air, I'm wondering if he's talked to enough of the other owners that have gone, hey, uh, or somebody's told him kind of off the record, just going, you don't want to come in and start throwing money around just because you have it. You didn't lose money last year. You don't want to immediately piss off all the other owners. Because otherwise, why isn't this guy signing people other <laughs> than McCann? I'm if I'm Cohen, I'm coming just going to be blowing money. It's like you're at the, you're at the, you're at the store – in the you've got all these top talent at a slight discount that you could be yeah. getting, and you're not signing anybody. There's got to be a reason that he's he's signed McCann, and that's it. Why isn't he signing a couple of big time relievers? 
Go out and get another starter, have the best rotation in the league. Uh, why hasn't he signed Real Muto, you know? Uh, well, they signed McCann. But I mean, he well, he's being he he's still smart, you know, a guy's smart with money if he got into a position to buy a baseball but, team. So, But he didn't lose money last year. And he can have no, the I best mean, team I'm, in I'm the league. You. He I'm can make you. some moves and have the best team. I'm thinking he's had to have, you know, these other owners voted him in. There has to be some kind of informal rules as – you can't just buck, be a renegade out there and go out and sign, make us all look bad by going out and signing all these players because you didn't lose money last year. There has to be some kind of informal discussions going on. I buy that. Or, you know, he's just still – they're just waiting it out. You know, he's letting his GM do his thing and try to get the best deals for him and keep options open. But, yeah, I mean, the way he was talking and – Yeah. You look onto his Twitter account, it's like he bought a – he's just running a fantasy baseball team. This is a hobby for him. Yeah. You know, it seems like he's real excited about it, but – yeah, I don't know. I mean, I thought he would have signed quite a few guys by now, or or, or made some other big moves, but it's it's so. hard to tell. And I players, so. you know, players are going to wait for their deal. They're yeah. not just going to take a, a cheaper contract because nobody knows what's in the air. There's there's time for them, and it almost helps the players if the season winds up being pushed back because yeah. they can they yeah. can take their time and and wait for it all to sort out and maybe get a better deal too. I mean, the whole thing's just it's something that nobody's ever been through before. And some players love to play in New York, but a whole lot of players don't want to play in New York if they don't have to. So yeah, you know, it's a different animal. I can yeah. tell you that. You did it. I mean, yeah, some, I mean, I went from when I was in Atlanta. When I was in Atlanta, it was you, Bowman, and and <laughs> once in a while, like a guest AJC writer doing you know one story. And you go to New York, and there's there's You're forty surrounded. members of the media in there every single day. I mean, the clubhouse is just a. There's nobody in there. As soon as the media comes in, it's the players just book it out of the clubhouse. It's it's a different type of pressure, and those reporters aren't trying to be your friend. They'll ask tough questions and write mean ass shit about you. Like, hey, talk about you know. the difference and and going into a clubhouse, say in New York, where, and especially with the Mets, where they've had churning through beat writers because there's been kind of an adversarial relationship with some and the team, and the team has not treated them well and done some really stupid things over the years too, but. It's kind of like the players and owners that distrust. But talk about yeah, going for in, sure. being in a clubhouse where from the time it opens, there's 10 or 12 media members standing around and you know they're waiting to see anything that might that they can report a tidbit and beat other people. They're looking for negative shit there. Only. That as opposed <laughs> to a lot of places like St. Louis, Atlanta, uh, on and on. There's more than there is not. You know, San Diego, where there's two or three beat writers that you see every day in a clubhouse and you can you can trust that they're yeah. going to put things in context and you can talk to them and, and off the record and all that is a totally different atmosphere, isn't it? Oh, man. Well, like if, if you and Bowman were walking around the clubhouse and I'm having a casual conversation with a teammate. Right. And you guys overhear something you shouldn't. You're not going to go write it. Right in New exactly. York, man, they are just—they're pretending right. they're on their phone and they're just walking laps around, just <laughs> ears, rabbit ears everywhere. <laughs> and it, as soon as it comes out, you know, I think, but that's part of what sells in New York. You know, it—it's it, part of the fan base too—is that negativity yep. really sells with, yep. with Mets fans, whether it's whether they want it or not. That's just what they what they're driven to. You know that. When that negative story about Matt Harvey not showing up for a workout, mm -hmm. if that happened in Atlanta, you know, like when, when Tommy didn't make it to a workout one time, it was like a little blip. He'll be all right. But when Matt Harvey didn't make it to a workout or was late to a workout, that thing was on MLB Network and they were discussing it for hours, right? Yeah. And that's just, that's kind of what sells in New York. So I think it's also so competitive with the media to get the scoop and everything. Absolutely. Um, 
to, uh, to in, in, the, in the defense of my brethren in New York, it is competitive like that. Yeah. And if you try to be the one guy that is going to you know, buck that with a lot of readers there, like you said, they expect to see the nitty gritty every day. They expect yeah. to see those kind of negative scoops, positive scoops too. But if you're not reporting anything like that, it's just taken differently there. And that's yeah. not a criticism of those reporters at all. That's yeah. that's just the atmosphere. That's the job. It's totally different here than it is there, you know? And it, and 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 in most places it's totally different than it is in most places. New York is a different animal. Yeah. So, and I think, you know, even what you say after games, mm-hmm. you know, in Atlanta, I would think if I said something that could be twisted into a negative, right. You and Bowman are just going to let it slide. You know, you're going to say you know the character of the guy. Right. They don't care it's about not what your he character. Meant. They right. know what you, they don't care what you mean. If they got words that they can play into you saying that you know you rebay let the team down today, it's going because that's a story and that's playing. Versus you know in, in Atlanta, it'd be. I remember one time I said something and and Chipper got on me about it. I'd said like you know maybe the team was tired or something like that because we'd gotten in from. I, we'd gotten in from, you know, somewhere at three in the morning and I just said something. I came in and I messed the game up, I think. But the, the team, the, Bowman or somebody was asking me about it. And I said, you know, maybe maybe we were tired or not focused after that long trip. And Chipper snapped back right away and was like, we were focused. You came in and, you know, <laughs> you walked yeah. two guys. And and then there was, there was it was because there was an error on the play or something. But I came right. in and was sloppy. And I was more just talking about myself. And it, it kind of, I mean, it was nothing. Chipper talked to me the next day and it was over. Versus something like that, you know, that happens in New York and all of a sudden it's, you know, are the guys taking care of themselves or is there is there a rift between the pitching staff and the, and, the, and the position players, you know, and then all of a sudden you're answering questions about that for three more days. Yeah. So it can turn into such a bigger distraction, all that side drama. And I think, honestly, that's that's why the manager in New York matters so much. You know, yep. that's why Torrey did such a great yep. job at the Yankees for all those years. He managed all those personality yep. and put out no so doubt. many fires. But it's almost like this whole other element you have to deal with in New York that, um, you know, you think about that when you're pitching too. You think about, you start thinking about what's going to be written, what's 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 going to be said. You start pro- protecting yourself. And I mean, if you watch what happened to Jason Bay's career with the Mets, that dude, by the end of that time, I remember him coming up in the on-deck circle and he was getting booed in the on-deck circle in the middle of an at-bat. <laughs> I was pitching and I threw yeah, like ball one. That. And the crowd just erupted in booze. I was like, what the hell's going on? And I look over and Jason Bay had just walked out of the dugout and standing in the on-deck circle. <laughs> you know, I mean, so it's it's definitely a tough it, – it's a tough setup for sure. And, and not smart. everybody's cut out for it. And it goes both ways too. It's like we hear a lot of times in the offseason, if the Braves aren't doing anything or if they don't sign a guy, we hear uh, on Twitter and social media, the vocal minority maybe, but you hear this would never fly in New York – those reporters would would hold the team to account or question. Yep. They want us to get somebody fired or whatever if they make a decision in a game. But at the same time, after Acuna hit that ball that yep. went off the wall and he yep. pimped it, you know, it's some of his teammates, rightfully so, called him to ta- you know pointed out to him you can't do that. All right, yep. it was shown on TV, so it was a story that had to be asked. Yeah. Yep. All of us asked him after the game, right? TV. There was like there was there was ten people in there, maybe. TV reporters and, and uh, newspapers, uh, the athletic. We all asked radio. Um, I wrote a story, and because I wrote a story I, about it, and everybody else did too. 
but everybody assumed that I was the one asking all the questions. I might have asked two questions, you know. There were 25 questions asked that day. But I was in the scrum for all the questions that were asked, and I used all the answers and all that. But it was a big story after that game. And yeah. well-meaning guys, Freddie Freeman didn't love Acuna any less, but he just no. pointed out to him. McCann, same way. Uh, people forget Ozzy Albies is his best friend, said you can't, yep. it was bad. You can't do that. After he's been told during the year, you can't do that. So anyway, long story short, I heard this, and I still hear this. You'd get somebody else would do something bad in a game, and somebody on Twitter would say, you're going to take him to task? You're going to ask, go around the clubhouse and ask everybody how they feel about so-and-so giving up? You know, They still get on me for asking the questions. Everybody else, like I said, asked about Acuna questions about yeah. uh, his teammates, about uh, him pimping that ball. It was a big play, you know? But we still get, okay, we still get taken to task for asking people that uh, a negative story, as they say. What would have happened in New York if Acuna had done that? You know, the oh same a lot of a lot of the same been, people. Yeah, there would have been sixty people. But and that's also like the other thing week about afterwards. it. You feel like the questions you they're leading you in a direction that they want you to go. Right, and you we know. weren't leading that day. No, we just asked a simple question: What yeah. did you think about Acuna's thing? And Freddie went at length. McCann went at length. Ozzy, everybody, because they they knew how important it was. You know that Acuna realized you can't do that because he'd been told that before. Anyway, I don't want to make this all about that, but I'm just saying it goes both ways with the New York thing. Yeah, so some guys might not, you know, that's definitely could be a turnoff for a lot of guys to play there. Right. They want you to take, uh, they want you to take the team to task or player to task or Luke Jackson to task, you know, for, but they don't want you to take the guy that they all love, the, 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 uh, the superstar, you know, so (laughs) anyway, um, so, uh, so, to wrap this up, you know, in the division, I think the Braves also need to – it's funny because they've won three in a row, and a couple of those years they were picked to finish third or fourth in the in the division. This year, the, after winning three in a row and getting within two outs of the World Series or two runs of the World Series – They better win, be picked. They're going to probably be picked to win yeah. the division. But if you look at it, you could argue it might be the toughest division it's been this year, and that's because the Phillies just hired Dombrowski. People don't hire Dave Dombrowski to rebuild. They hire no. <laughs> him to win now. Yeah. They're going to give him the money to spend. I know they haven't yet, but he he is not brought in at age sixty, whatever he is now, sixty seven, to rebuild. He never was no. brought in to rebuild. No. I was I covered him with the Marlins when he won a World Series. He goes to Detroit. Illich gives him the money because Illich wanted to win a World Series while he was still owner. He goes to Boston. They gave him the money. Won a World Series. He is never afraid to trade prospects ever. He will trade. I know Philly doesn't have a whole lot of them. But the ones they've got, better look out because he will trade prospects if he thinks that it's the missing piece that will help them win now. And he will get, if the owner is willing to spend money, Dave will spend every cent of it yeah. to win now. So you got the Phillies in that situation. You got the Mets in the situation they're in. We've we've documented there's no reason why they shouldn't be spending money. And if they're yeah. healthy, if With Thor's staff, healthy, yeah. if DeGrom is healthy, he should be. Thor's should be healthy. There's no reason why that starting rotation, we've said it year after year, but if they're healthy, there's no reason why they can't be the best rotation or right there with the Braves, you know, in the division. Funny thing is the team, and, and the Marlins are, are they, they got a lot better last year, you know? Yeah, they did. I don't know. The, you know, the, the Phillies don't scare me because I don't think they've created that culture yet. No. You know, they, like yet. when when we were chasing them every year, they just had that winning culture where mm-hmm. they could have lost five guys 
And the Braves are an example of that. The Braves lost however many guys last year. Soroka got hurt. Guys were injured. They, they had so many obstacles, and I felt like that winning culture is what kept kept them going. You know, I don't see that with, with Philly. Uh, New York's, they've got all that shit we were just talking about. You know, it, it seems like every year the, the Mets just get Mets. Like the, the, the pressure, the injuries, all the stuff that's always going on in New York. The Marlins are new. I mean, for me, the – the Braves are the best team. I don't know what the Nationals are going to do or how they're looking, but if they're healthy, they're always a threat. But the, the Nationals won the World Series two years I know. ago. They're the team that we're talking about the least last, of the division yeah. right now. Yeah, because they had I they mean, had a messy year last year. They were not able to take advantage of their World Series. Right, you didn't at get all. the attendance yeah. boost that you get every year when you win a World Series. They got no attendance. None. I mean, you could argue that. It was you were better off because people talked about with the World Series have an asterisk if you won last year in a sixty game season. You were better off winning the World Series in a sixty game season than you were winning it when the Nationals did. Yeah, because they didn't even get to raise the flag in front of their fans. No, they didn't get to do any of that stuff. <laughs> but yeah, I mean we're talking about them last. So they had, they had a rough year last year, but Soto, Scherzer, Strasburg. I mean they got some studs. Yeah, they they gave the wrong guy the contract. I know why they gave it to him because he had that huge postseason, but they let the wrong guy go. I think. But think so. I think you always got to give it to the position guy if it's if it's a, if it's you know six and one half dozen of the other. Then then the starting pitcher who has only stayed healthy like one or yeah. two years in his career. You know. Yeah. As great as he was, they got caught up in a moment. I think he was terrific. Yeah. But that was the outlier, man. He's had well, a couple of those like- out. It seemed like he turned a page maturity wise, which was which yeah, was why no doubt. You know, I believed him in. But you could be as mature as you want if you're hurt. It doesn't <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't help. <laughs> and a position yeah. guy, man. If you've got a position guy that you build around that you know is part of the, is integral in that clubhouse, like we've talked about. But, yeah, Rendon's you know, a stud. Total stud. You know, in the culture we're talking about with the Phillies, man, we all remember those teams they had. They had guys when you're building around when you have guys like Chase Utley and Victorino, Ryan Howard and yeah. Morandini and Victorino and uh, yeah, for years and years and years they always had those kind of guys that went to the post every day and played. Man, yeah. Victorino, Randy Rollins, Balls, Chase Utley, Rollins. Yeah, yeah, going back, you know, it was over like a 15 year span, man. Yeah, and say what you will about Bryce Harper, but he's not one of those kind of guys. Superstar yeah. talent. I don't. I don't want to say it, but. You said it, you know, it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm, that's, that's kind of something that, that, that I see too, is a you, you gotta, he hasn't proven he's a big game winner culture type of no. guy yet, you know? And I think it's hard for him too. Cause he's kind of, he's been on covers of you know, sports illustrated. Weird, it's it's always been all about him. Yeah, it's, it it's weird. hard to not be selfish and, and also the amount of pressure on him, but there's, it's always all about him. You know, that the, the media is always all about him. There's been the spotlight on him where it's hard to be selfless and, and be a good teammate when the, the spotlight on him is amplified so much more than all his teammates. It's probably hard for him to relate and be humble, but that's that's your job as a leader. And I don't know if he's if he's conquered that yet. And it breed, breeds resentment, I think, in a clubhouse when it yeah. focuses on you, when you clearly are not, you know, you don't warrant that based on your performance. Right. He had two terrific years, superstar years, two in his career, you know, and he's had more often than not good years not not superstar years yeah you look at his ops every year games played all that a couple of your bad years in the outfield even though he's a gold glove caliber player but 
I look at how he was brought up and had that focus on him from day one. Yeah. And then he goes to Philly and the same thing because he gets the huge, the biggest contract. And I compare it to, say, Acuna when he was coming out. The focus was on him for the right yeah. reasons because yeah, of yeah. What he, the talent. But he was surrounded by the right guys. And they still yeah. had Freddie Freeman's team. It's still Freddie Freeman's team, even yeah. though Acuna is the most talented guy in that clubhouse. And I think the, the comparison to how Bryce Harper was brought up, you know, Zimmerman was hurt all the time. Um, and they didn't surround him with the kind of guys that Acuna came up and was surrounded by that. It, it's just different how he was brought up and he was 16 years old and, you know, r- been written about in sports illustrated when he dropped out of high school, and went to Juco, you know, yep. he was the next great guy. There's always been a target Acuna- on his back too. Yeah, Right. You didn't hear about Acuna until he had a couple years in the minor leagues where he was putting up huge numbers. So, yeah. uh, for, it's not all his fault. I hear for like, no, guys like yeah, Devo, I don't blame the character, guys- but I don't, I don't know if he's past that point yet where i believe in it dero loves uh it worked out all the time with bryce and loves right. him. says he works hard all this stuff but you don't see that you know you don't hear that and see it every day in, in the interviews and all that I, we don't see that come through what you want to see i think sometimes i mean well, i think he's athlete. a good guy to point to though like he almost has a, a new york media type of attention on him at all times, you know, where, yeah. where everybody's always looking to cut him down and, and find something negative with him. So it's kind of like a me against the world mentality that he's taking on. And it, it might just be, you know, too much pressure to handle. Um, but like I think about it, if you had a, regardless if you're a Braves fan or any fan of baseball, if you had a game seven world series bases loaded at bat with the game on the line, you want Freddie Freeman and Bryce Harper up, Mm-hmm. You know, and and I, I think that you, you have to succeed in those big moments and you have to win to, to really prove yourself in, as that player. But um, I think he's just had a hard time. He hasn't shown it yet. You know, he hasn't shown that he's that guy yet. I mean, he had more he has more talent in his thumb than Chase Utley has in his body. Right. But who do you want build a build a team around? <laughs> Culture. Right. Give me Freddie. You know? Yeah. And that's not, Ch- it's not a Utley. knock on him or his character. I don't even know him. But it's yeah. just the way he's being perceived. That's why the Phillies don't don't scare me yet. Yeah, I mean the Braves have been, and I think most Braves fans realize how fortunate they are to have Freddie. You know, you want to have at times you love. You know, you're lured by the superstar talent and Bryce Harper and the hair and the antics and the stupid shoes, the cleats and all that. But then every day Freddie goes to the post and just does what he does. does, what he does without, yeah. and and that is ultimately the guy you want to build around. I mean, yep. you want those guys being that you can, the rest of the circus can revolve around them. But yeah. That guy in the middle needs to be a reliable guy, not part of the circus, you know? Yeah. I mean, and Freddie's contract, his next one's probably going to be one third what Bryce Harper got. Yep. And his two contracts added together will be probably two thirds of what Bryce Harper got. Yeah. But it's who do you want on your team? Give me Freddie. Put Freddie Freeman. There's Any no day doubt. Of the week. Yeah. So anyway. And you want Acuna, <laughs> yeah. And I and I don't think Acuna. Uh, you know, I think Acuna for all you know, he's a glamorous guy and and pimps it and all that. But he performs, man. Yeah. I mean, last year he was hurt, had the wrist thing, but he still performed. You look at his numbers; he still performs. This guy yeah. gets it done. Yeah. And so. he he can handle that big moment. Oh yeah, he's not. It's never gonna. It's not gonna work against him. You know, having, no. if, if, if some people start to bail on him and get tired of his act or whatever, it's not going to work against him. He's going to be him and his teammates are going to love him. So we'll see. Uh, I just hope they get the season started on time, man. I really do. Uh, but if they don't, if they push it back, 
I hope it means they can for sure get 140 games. I don't want what's happening in college hoops where week to week or day to day, you're wondering if they're going to get a season in and get the tournament in. You yeah. Know? And, and, and the NFL, is a game going to get played? I don't want that, man. I want to, you know, if you if if it helps to push baseball back play 140 after you know guys, if you think guys can get vaccinated or people around them can get vaccinated, the elderly guys, you know the, you know the guys that we were worried about last year going in, you know, the, not elderly but older guys like the yeah. Snickers and the Ron Washingtons, they're going to be able to get vaccines early, relatively early. So you feel a lot better knowing that guys like that and like last year a guy like uh, Duvall. Would have been yep. able to get one relatively early with uh, underlying conditions. I think that you know your average player is not going to be early. They're going to have to, and they're not going to let them butt in line either. And you don't want that. But if you can get the guys that it could kill, yeah, if you can get them to have vaccines. You'd feel a lot better about the, the game going forward. Well, and they, like we said earlier, they got a whole well, they got sixty games in, but they got through it last year without really too many hiccups. Yep. So you and know it, more now. Felt, you got you got more information now. You've done it before. It, it seems pretty possible yeah. to pull it off. All those protocols that they took last year, they can use, and they know which ones worked and which ones yep. didn't, and they can build on it. There's no reason it shouldn't be better. And the players also know how important it is to follow all the protocols because they they saw what happened early with the Marlins and what happened with the Cardinals, you know. And meanwhile, the teams that weren't affected during the season were the ones left standing at the end, the ones that had yep. that depth all the way and all that. So. Yeah, it could. Uh, it went well, and and I don't think anybody looks at that. And most people at least don't look at that Dodgers championship with an asterisk. I think they look at them as world. They were the best champions. team. They were yeah. the best team, and I feel like and you saw most of the best teams in those final four games or final two games. You know, those final two series, you saw the best teams there. And and watching, it's tough for me to admit, but watching that series between the Braves and the Dodgers, that the Dodgers were just a little better. You yeah, know? and they pulled it off. I think the only place that it even showed up, the, the short season, the ridiculously short season, 60 games Astros. compared to 162, was yeah a couple of teams. But I think the only the place that it really was glaring was some superstar, uh, power hitters especially. Yeah, yeah. Their numbers are really glaring because they the, the ramp time. up was so weird. They were thrown out of their, uh, their uh, comfort zones and their routines. And a, yeah. and a couple of pitchers too. And by the time they got going, season was over. So you yep. got had guys like Christian Yelich. Uh, uh, there were several that that had bad numbers last year. That that was like an anomaly. But I think those were the guys affected because uh, over a one sixty two, that would have really started. I think they, some of those guys would have gone on tears in the second half. Yeah. And well, they might have started to tear sooner if there wasn't the pressure to put up their numbers in sixty yeah. games too. I mean that's that goes back to what we were talking about with just different elements of pressure. You know, guys weren't used to having a rough April and being like, shit, I only got May left and I got to put up numbers where I'm hitting 175 this season. You know, it's the same concept. Uh, you know, and, and, and you, at the same time you had guys like, uh, that, that got off to good starts and got on the roll and their teams were going well. And you put up these numbers that are crazy numbers. They're going to stand as their career highs probably forever. Yeah. You know, some of the OPS, some of the average. I mean, Freddie, is he going to hit, what, what did he hit, 341? Yeah, he could do that again. I don't know if he's going to hit that again. He, he could. But he you could do some things in 60 games that, you know, you didn't really have a chance to go through. And he started out, the first 13 games was terrible because of the COVID. I mean, his season, wow, that was a crazy yep. season, man. But, I mean, you look at some of the other guys, though, that put up the numbers that they Duvall. put up. Yeah, the Duvall, the, the numbers that Duvall put up. 
with the numbers that Ozuna put up. But on the to the negative, though, you had some guys that it was erased because of what they did in the postseason. But Cody Bellinger, yeah. Cody Bellinger yeah. and Christian Yelich, that for a while, you know, were, were had won the last three MVPs. Bellinger hit 239 with a 789 OPS during the season. You forget about because some of the things he did in the postseason, but he had a pretty bad year, man. Yeah. And, and there was it some, didn't matter though. All, all you remember now is that home run he hit. And and the other hand, Corey Seager, he hit 358 with a 943 OPS during the year. And then went off in the postseason. Yeah, too. had 15 bombs during the season. And Will Smith, the catcher, uh, he hit nine. He had a 980 OPS, hit 289 during the season. The season that Darno had. There was some weird yeah. years like that. Um, the On other the Will Smith. Side of that. <laughs> the other Will Smith, the Braves yeah. Will Smith. <laughs> He had COVID or was out with COVID early. Could never find his groove. Getting the, you know, it's guy who relies on feel a lot with pitches. So his season was an anomaly. Yeah. I'm not worried about Will Smith next year. If he has a if he has a 162 game season, he's going. We're going to see the Will Smith that we saw in San Francisco. I think a lot closer to that than we saw here last year. He's not losing nah, that. And slider. he looked good at the end. Of the you year. know, as long as he has that, he's he's yeah. locked in. But I think you know that could be another thing teams look at too with Ozuna's. He didn't have time oh, to didn't. get cold. You know, I mean that that could be. I don't know how much weight these these seasons the guys put yeah, together in total are, are having for teams when they're analyzing it. But you know, it, you can you can start off a year. There's guys Bryce every Harper. year that start off they're hitting 340, 350. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, then, or, or and then one bad month, you know, all of a sudden they're hitting two sixty five. Like he they always, always gets do. hurt. But if he was able to do it, if he had yep. not got hurt early last year and was able to stay healthy those first two, he could have put up huge numbers. So yeah. It's a strange yeah. season like that. I think ultimately the, the best teams won, and the, and the Braves got where they should have been. Yeah. But individuals, though, there were a lot of those weird seasons like that, you know? Weird years. Weird years. <laughs> but anyway, let's hope we have void another weird year this year and at least get our 140, 140 games in. And uh, and by midsummer, I hope maybe, uh, maybe a, a good – yeah, some fans. Yeah, I think we've seen some college basketball, even with twenty five hundred fans in a, in like Allen Fieldhouse that sees sixteen thousand. They can make some noise, and I think if you get ten thousand in a in a uh, baseball stadium that seats forty five, forty thousand, you know, or eight thousand in in yeah. Wrigley Field that seats thirty five, it'll make a big difference. Big difference. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, it's, it's been cardboard cutouts. Yeah, aren't it was it. it was fine for sixty games. <laughs> Any fans? Be, it might get old for one sixty two. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it's going to be interesting. We'll see. Um, uh, I think things will will heat up, but I think it's probably going to be after the holidays before we start seeing anything. I'm not looking yeah. for a flurry of things between now and Christmas, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd enjoy your enjoy your holidays and check back in in about a month. We'll see, man. We'll see. We'll see what happens with Arenado. I'm curious because Colorado has faces a. Uh, they have a they have a, quan, a a conundrum of sorts with Story who's so good, and I don't think that they can re-sign Story because Story because he deserves you know a twenty five to thirty million yeah. a year probably, and you can't have two guys making thirty thirty five million a year on your team him and Arenado so they have to move Arenado if they're going to sign Story, and. If they don't move Arenado, he can opt out of his contract after this year. But if you're Arenado, do you opt out when you owe $200 million over six years in this economy? Mm. I don't know. He he might be the one player that could opt out and know he's going to get paid by some one of the two or three big bucket big uh, money teams. But 
if the if the Rockies were willing to uh, pay down a lot of Arenado's contract, I'm not paying down a penny if I trade Arenado. Yeah, it's a tough sell to your to your uh, fan base. That yeah. yeah, we paid ten million a year to get rid of one of the best players in the game, the guy that we just signed two years ago, and we and we made it. You know, we talked. I know about he did it. ask for a trade though, right? Wasn't it last year he was trying to get traded? Yeah, well, he, he said some things that you know about the GM and the confidence he had didn't have, and yeah, yeah, basically, yeah, he, he it was it kind of poisoned the well a little bit. Yeah, and uh, you know, everybody's aware of how much money he makes now, and. Uh, yeah, that if they weren't aware of it before, but man, you talk about consistent. There's not a more consistent player in baseball than that guy. But he had another. He was another one of those guys that had a weird year last year. The first weird year he's had statistically. You know, I mean, it's a guy that hits 300, hits 35, 40 bombs every year. But yeah. last year, he didn't have time to really get going. Had a little nagging injury for a while. Um, but I don't guys, think anybody would be worried about that. No, just, not at all. <laughs> I don't think win that's gold glove. Yeah, going to hit three hundred. It's going to hit thirty five, forty bombs, and and if he uh, maybe if he goes somewhere beside Coors Field, maybe it's thirty bombs instead of forty. Yeah, he's going to hit. <laughs> yeah, so I think if you're any team, including the Atlanta Braves, you got to be interested if they're willing to pay down his salary. But like you said, we'll see if they're willing to pay down ten million. A I'm year not paying salary. down a penny if no. I have to, even if I have to trade that guy. I mean, man, you'd so almost do you hope he. You hope he takes it. He takes it out of your hands and opts out at the end of the year. Yeah, <laughs> so that's what they're hoping for. If they, if they, can, if they you, feel like they really can't afford Story, that's what they'd be yeah. hoping for. If, if they want him to go, but you hope he has a big year and that the economy comes back in baseball and he opts out, and you're like, we tried. We had his contract. We were giving him thirty five million a year. It was fair. We can't help it. He left. I mean, what what does that's that even say about the you. state of the game, though? You know, if if you do trade Arenado because one of Mookie Betts getting traded. You know, I, I mean, know. It's just it just says the game's in a weird place. If you're the Rockies, you're hoping he has a great year and opts out. I mean, that's yeah. that's the that's the solution. Yeah. yeah, the only solution where you don't look bad. Yeah, because you look bad if you pay it down. You look bad if you try to include a prospect to yep. get somebody to take his contract. You look bad if you you know, you, you just look bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it'd be like if the Braves didn't resign Freddie. You know, they're and and you know, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, there's there's just no. Especially since Freddie's not going to be thirty-five million a year. Yeah, he but could you also get it. look bad if you're the Rockies and you don't re-sign Trevor Story because you have Arenado. Arenado's contract. Yeah. yeah. So I think the best option for them is for him to have a great year and, and opt out. Yeah. Because yeah, I, mean, I can see that it, with what he said in the past. The fans cannot he, be angry at you for that. Because no, you opted the hook. out. Yeah. Because you were already paying him top of the scale money. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to give him a raise. You're not going to renegotiate that contract and give him forty million a year. <laughs> yeah, it'll so. be it'll be interesting to see how that plays out for sure. Yeah, the economy is going to have to change before he'll opt out of that deal, though. That's a yeah. lot. Yeah, but what is it? Six years. But Bryce at- Harper opted out, right? Yeah. Didn't, didn't he opt out in, in DC? When I'm he, not sure he, what his had, situation was, but he who was it that paid. somebody opted out had a huge contract and opted out, and he ended up. Getting for it, getting paid for it. Scherzer, maybe. I can't even remember now when Harper left. Was Harper free agent or did he opt out? He was a free agent. He was a free agent. Yeah, he just didn't sign an extension. Somebody opted out, had a lot of money left, and uh, got another huge deal. Probably Boris guy. (laughs) Good (laughs) chance going out on a limb. Oh, speaking of Boris, last thing here. We had a conference call yesterday with reporters, a Zoom call. He just he has that scrum every year at the end of the winter meetings. 
And yeah. he just couldn't, he, he, I think he, his life wasn't the same without having that scrum. And he's got so many guys that are affected by this, you know, by the, by the baseball economy and everything. So, you know, he had a conference call. It was smart. Morris can do that. He could send out an email and, and everybody jumps on it. He had an hour and 40 minutes Zoom call with reporters. Jeez. And he talked about some pretty interesting things that uh, I thought one of them was, uh, um, well, he thinks baseball needs a czar. Our, our CEO, a CEO in addition to the commissioner, a CEO that can get all the owners on the right page and do the right things, you know, uh, because he thinks too much is on the commissioner's plate with everything that goes on. He made some good points about that. But uh, what he uh, he liked uh, the rule, he, he, he likes DH, by the way. He does not like the, uh, the uh, runner at second base for the playoffs, but he could see using it during the season. Likes the DH and thinks that it absolutely and the expanded roster and thinks those things need to be put in now absolutely for the health of the players. It helps the, the helps to maintain the health and ultimately that's the the game is the players. But um, he says it's a shame that the owners are using that as leverage and that it's obvious they are using that as leverage. Yeah, and and that's the only thing holding it up. He says. Uh, but but he thinks that's one of those things that there's no reason why that can't come in now and put the and and say that and and resolve the DH situation so that teams can move forward and build their rosters knowing there's either going to be an expanded roster and the DH you know two things that teams don't know about right now they don't know if the roster is going to be 25 or I mean or 26 or 30 or 28 but yeah. the bigger thing being the DH is there going to be a DH so. But he had some good things, uh, some interesting points that he talked about, you know. And then a lot of it was about his individual guys and why, you know, Chris Bryant uh, deserves going forward. He says that most people recognize if they know the game at all that Chris Bryant is a guy's going to have a 900 OPS when he's given a full season. That last year, uh, you know, was an anomaly, and that uh, he's not just a guy. As Dave Sampson went on some podcast their radio show in, in Chicago. And claim that Chris Bryant is just a guy now, not a superstar and all this. And Boris, that really lit Boris up. He's yeah, like, sure everybody knows the game, knows that a guy that OPS'd over 900 in 2019 is not just a guy. So, you know, what else? Well, it's, that's the way it's going to work, though. If you had a bad year last year, it's going to be used yeah. against you. If you had a great year, it's not going to count. <laughs> yeah. That's, just, that's yeah. just the way it goes. Yeah. So, all right, well, we'll come back and uh, hopefully we have a lot more when we have another one of these next week or whenever it is. And uh, everybody, hope everybody has great holidays and stay safe out there. Don't do anything stupid just because it's the holidays because this damn nasty virus does not care that it's the holiday. Uh, so don't let your guard down. You got this far. If you got this far without getting COVID, it would be a shame to get it now and for your winter to be ruined, you know. And to have uh, some type of horrible thing, you're lingering for the next several months. So stay, stay safe is what I'm saying. Right, Eric? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> stay safe out there. Isn't that what they used to say at the end of Hill Street Blues? That's too old for you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I've never Be, seen that. <laughs> be safe out there. All, All right. right. All right. That's 755 is real and we're out. Thanks, man. Thanks, everybody. Yep. Yeah.